On ktalk.co.za On the app On DSTV Channel 885 And across the city on 567 AM 567 AM Now if I say the word sommelier, you'll no doubt think of a wine steward guiding you through the nose profiles of an expensive wine or maybe advising you what to pair with your meal in a fancy restaurant. But I bet you didn't imagine someone doing the same for your choice of honey. It makes sense though if you think about it. There are literally thousands of different botanical sources that can impact the flavor and the scent of honey. Here in South Africa, you only need to look at our own grocery shelves to know that there's a big difference between what Feinbos-based honey tastes like versus a eucalyptus honey, for example. Let's not even get started on the honey that isn't actually pure honey because it's got so much corn syrup added to it. Uh, That will set aside for now. But it's a great pleasure to welcome in studio one of the world's few honey sommeliers, the first and only one from South Africa. Her name is Natasha Lyon. She's in town ahead of a, a special event this weekend being hosted by the Western Cape Bee Industry Association. We'll tell you more about that at the end of the interview. But Natasha, firstly, welcome. Great to have you with us in the studio. Thank you, Pippa. It's lovely to be here. Thanks. What does a honey sommelier actually do? It's not um, that dissimilar to the other um, sommelier, sommelier disciplines. The, yeah. same, the same skills apply. I think one of the key differences really is, you know, you also taste the, the flavor, aroma, um, but we, for instance, with wine and olive oil, the winemaker, olive oil maker have got some kind of control over the varieties that they plant. Whereas with um, honey, it is so much more complex and mm. far more difficult because we don't exactly know where the bees have foraged from. Um, but it is, it's the same discipline in that you use your olfactory senses and um, the training is very similar, similar skills. I think another difference that is noticeably uh, quite different is the granulation of honey. It's a natural yep. process. Um, but as we know, you know, even sometimes with adulterated products, if there's added sugars, etc., that you've just mentioned, it also granulates. Um, but one of the really interesting aspects of, of um, doing a sensory analysis about honey is to explore the granulation because there's different stages of granulation. You know, how fast does the crystals melt? Um, how, how soluble they are? Yeah. Um, is it homogeneous? Um, the feel of it? Is it pasty? Is it sticky? Is it smooth? Um, so it just goes into a lot more detail. Yes. One thing I do, I would like to mention is that the, the work that we do is, is not, uh, we're not able to authenticate honey. Okay. And I think that's really important because in the absence of a laboratory report, it really is is impossible to do that. Yeah. However, through obviously experience and tasting, and, and I do think of myself still as being very green. Okay. <laughs> um, we've got nine different biomes in South Africa, yeah. and our complexity of our honey varietals is just unbelievable. And yeah, hopefully the Western Cape will be able to experience that this weekend. Okay, um, and yeah. Um, yeah, what's happening this weekend is a Cape Honey Festival, which is, is taking place at Spice Root Estate Art in Paul. Uh, the whole day on Saturday, there are going to be talks about honey, there are going to be tastings, there's a paired meal at Jules Restaurant. And Natasha, I know you're going to be giving a workshop about introducing beekeepers to the sensory notes of honey. Is that correct? Yes, it is, Pippa. And it's something really close to my heart because when I started this journey um, and, and realized how complex it is, my, my true north really is education, both okay. um 
uh, bee education, but not just for honeybees, for all bees. We've got about 22,000 bee species in the world. South Africa is, is home to around about 1,300 or 1,300. Now, if you compare that with the UK, around about 270 species, you can see how diverse our, oh. our bees are. And um, for me, I, I wanted to, from the on, onset, use these skills to benefit um, uh, the, the beekeeping industry and really to try and get across to, to the man in the street, the, uh, the public, um, that, that this is really a, a, an artisanal skill and it yeah. is hard work. You know, those hives are really heavy and our beekeepers... Uh, yeah, it's a trade that's really dying. We don't have many young people coming into it because mm. we just cannot get fair prices for the real thing. I mean, this is a conversation we've had with our consumer journalist, Wendy Nola, several times that, you know, that people say, oh, well, I'll buy this cheap bottle, not realizing that it's it's hardly any honey and mainly syrup. Uh, and then, you know, then balk at the idea of paying a premium price for a premium product. But as you say, the difference is in the flavor. It's in the, the texture of the honey on your palate. It's in what that honey can do for you and how good it is for you. There's so many good reasons to support a proper quality South African honey. Um, 1,300 bee species in South Africa. Now, we know our bees are in trouble all over the world. Natasha, how, how worried or hopeful do you feel about um, particularly our bees here in South Africa? Well, to start off with, very hopeful if, if we give, given these opportunities that you've given us today to talk about it. Um, I think, you know, people often ask me, what can we do to save the bees? And the reality is worldwide, uh, the numbers of bee species, uh, of honeybees is actually increasing. Okay. Honeybees are not dying out worldwide. Do we have enough honeybees to pollinate the ever-increasing pressure on our food sources? No, we don't. And do we lose thousands of bees, you know, sometimes in, in specific uh, regional spots due to exposure um, to environmental contaminations? Yeah. Yes, that does happen. But I think the most important thing, you know, I want to share with people is first and foremost, plant for bees. And the other thing that's important in the Western Cape is, of course, the eucalyptus. Now, this is a, yeah. a very sensitive subject because we know they're water sensitive uh, or, or water thirsty in certain areas. However, the, the eucalyptus trees, which is not indigenous, is the single most important foraging uh, um, source for our Cape honeybees. Um, you know, there is a book that indicates the pollen and the nectar count, P one, two, and three or the nectar source, and both of them are sitting quite high. So the nutritional value of the proteins in the pollen, which is the building blocks, the amino acids for the baby bees, yeah. and the carbohydrates, which is in the nectar, um, no other source that we know of in the Western Cape is such good nutrition. And as you know, we, we are cutting down these trees, and it's actually quite difficult to to um, identify them. Um, there's only five trees on, on, on the list that we're allowed to remove under circumstance, certain circumstances. Okay. So in, in, the, in the Western Cape, that's really important for landowners to take note of that. Um, and on Saturday, you asked me earlier, you know what, uh, I'm going to do this uh, introduction of honey sensory analysis to our industry because I'm very passionate about, about what I do. I feel that if the beekeepers have got some of these skills that they can share with and, and try and connect directly with the public and tell their story, where's their apiaries? Is it an early summer harvest? Is it a late summer harvest? Yeah. How do they extract the honey? That is crucial because the extraction process can really imp uh, you know, impact negatively on, on your honey. And mm. so all honeys are not the same. 
Um, yeah. I mean, let's talk a little bit more about that. What are the things that impact and influence the, the, the flavor and the aroma of a honey? Yeah, I think from the onset, I, I should just outline that there will always be a market for, for mass production in all food sources, okay. right? There's a market for that and we need to accept that. I think one of the big things is we need we need um, transparency on our labels. Yeah. We need to be able to give that, that assurance to consumer that what they read on the label is in fact in the bottle. So, um, you know, certainly the, the first thing that comes to mind is the heat. Eating. You know, uh, hive, the bees are cold-blooded, yet inside the hive, they've got an ambient temperature close to our body temperature, around about 36.4 degrees. Um, and I can talk an hour about yeah. how, how amazing they are and how they do that. But um, so in the in the world of, of honey heating, so to speak, you, you, it's acceptable to heat it to hive temperature around about 40 degrees. Okay. Anything over that, flash heating it, you are starting to compromise, be, you know, heat sensitive bee enzymes, um, some of the proteins, etc. So that directly impacts on, on the goodness of the honey. Okay. Um, the second thing certainly is the filtration processes. You know, as the honey spins out of, let's say, a centrifuge, you want it just to filter naturally run through different micron, you know, size sieves. Yeah. If you heat it like to 60 degrees and then pressure push it through machines where there's filters, you know, filtering out even the pollen, then then that that also can negatively impact because oh. you can argue to say, well, you've re- you've removed all traces of pollen. Um, but having said so, uh, said that. Uh, honey granulates naturally. A lot of people want it liquid. You want a squeezy bottle. Yes. So, you know, the, the honey is then heated in order for it to, because the heating deters the granulation. Right. So I think the application of honey also drives how we treat the honey. You know, and it's it's very important. I think if we can make the differentiation on the labels and if we can get the public to engage with their local beekeepers and, and yeah, learn more about where, where the honey comes from, you know, where the, yeah. what the botanical footprint is. A lot of the beekeepers have got unbelievable knowledge on their bees and the landscape and it, it really is it's a special bunch of people yeah and they do amazing work and if you head on down to um, uh, Spice Root in Paul this weekend, you'll get to meet a number of them because the Western Cape Bee Industry Association uh, is hosting the Cape Honey Festival there between 10 and 5. If you are interested in attending, by the way, just pop an email to info at WCBA, which is Western Cape Beekeeping Association, I assume, wcba.co.za uh, for more in- information on that. Uh, we are talking to Natasha Lyons, South Africa's first and only honey sommelier, one of very few people in the world, in fact, who holds that profession. And Natasha, a few people asking, how do you become that? What yes. what sort of certification or training did you go through? So um, the uh, studies that I did was through Bologna in Italy. Oh, yeah. And if you, you know, if you research that, the, the I, I did it through this company called Bee Source and one of the... Uh, um, bees, um, Raphael is actually one of the bee uh, uh, scientists and he's also one of the lecturers and um, they have been doing this for over 40 years. Mm-hmm. So the concept of sensory analysis really originated in France and then uh, of honey and then the Italians sort of transported and developed this. Um, and if you if you um, Google the Italian registrar of honey sensory expert analysis, you will find them. And what's really fascinating about the work that they've done is in the introduction. So it's three levels, and I've been across a few times, but the uh, in the introduction. Um, 
stage, you work through 22 single foraging honeys. So what they've done with this honey, let's say um, um, a strawberry tree or an acacia, and the acacia is different to ours. It's okay. a false rubinia tree. But they have analyzed the properties of, let's say, an acacia in a laboratory over 40 years across different botanical footprints because even the micro elements in the soil is expressed in the nectar sure. and contributes to the color. So does the pollen, for instance. Mm. So they've got a parameter of how much sugar, what the sugar analysis, the pollen analysis, the isotope, they build a whole profile in a laboratory. Then they have got a panel of expert tasters. And as soon as you have a panel, it becomes a lot more scientific. And there's actually an ISO accreditation for honey sensory analysis. This is oh. an approved and recognized um, you know, skill. But then when it moves to the, the panel, for instance, our job is to try and first and foremost be able to detect uh, defects. You know, for instance, okay. if you have oversmoked the bees slightly or the, the honey gets tainted with the smoke, now that will not be picked up in a laboratory. Okay. Um, yeah. And so we study the 22 single foraging honeys because it's much easier. And one of the arguments for our botanical footprint, um, when I spoke to one of our researchers, Dr. Mike Alsop, um, <laughs> I had to giggle because he's like, this will never work in South Africa or it will so be challenged. That's it because yeah. it's all multiflora. You know, yeah. now Feinbos alone is just uh, incredible. And I must just say on the Feinbos, it really is a required taste. Um, it's quite vegetal. It can be quite, you know, sort of um, you get notes from menthol to mm. to herby to, you know, uh, medicinal sort of uh, notes. But as soon as you start pairing it with cheeses and olives and beautiful breads and yeah, you know, I mean, do, you, do you go into restaurants and say to a five-star chef, if you're going to do a dessert with honey, let's decide on the honey to use and which cheese to go with it? I mean, is that part of your, your job description? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah it, it's something I do work with chefs. I love working with them because they, you know, the chefs already is, is miles ahead, even, even of me understanding. Yeah. Um, but yes, we do that. We're looking to, we're ex- uh, busy with a very exciting project in Franschhoek. And yes, that's I, I like to do that because one of the days in the advanced course actually is we do cheese um uh, one one of the uh, tutors, he, he's a food biologist and is also registered with the Italian registrar. And he yep. gave us a whole morning on cheese pairing with all these beautiful honeys. Oh. And for instance, canola, which we have here too, is is the nose is quite cabbagey. You know, if you had to take a sniff of, of a canola honey, you'll go, oh, no, thank you, I'll pass. But then when you eat it, you know, it's so different. And when, oh. when you start pairing it with cheeses. So what was in my one of my favorite honeys, uh, um, the, the European honeys was, um, you know, this, the strong flavored honeys I forget the name now but you know along the lines of um, strawberry tree and I'll, it will come to me um, and I thought those will be my favorite but then as soon as we paired the honeys it turns out it was canola and I'm not you know wow. I wasn't I would never have been able to predict that and and so what I like to do is exactly that. You know, it needs to be something that's fun. We need to explore the honeys in our mm-hmm. country. You know, Pippa, every time I've gone across, I, I, I've i got 28, uh, the last in November, 28 different honeys in my collection. It's like yeah. choosing your favorite <laughs> child, right, to go <laughs> with you. And, and we were in the lecture room and we were like, you know, 18 of us across 12 different countries and we get to share our honeys and they get to me and I'm like unpacking. And by the fifth, you know, Raphael said to me, listen, Natasha, um, how many? I said, no, I've got another 16 in here. <laughs> Because <laughs> I decanted them in small, but yeah, it's and everybody was just blown away by our honeys. I think the diversity and the complexity of yeah. the honeys in in South Africa, and yeah, I, I'd like this industry to to see, you know, the sommelier work to grow. 
Um, we, we need more to go and do more people to go and do the training in Italy. Yeah. They are the world leaders. And um, yeah, Marina Marches is an author. She's written a book, uh, Honey Connoisseur. Yeah. And she's been um, one of my mentors for the past couple of years, as is Paula Connell in the UK. Um, yeah, and it's just it's just been incredible. I mean, now I'm off to the Chelsea Flower Show to go oh, and, and work yeah. a part of the B team there. Yeah. Um, their theme is actually rewilding and sensory. Can oh, you believe so it? <laughs> a match made in heaven for you. Uh, Natasha, we, we've got a voice note that's come in from a listener with a question for you, I believe. We'd love for you to take a listen to that. Hi, Pippa. It's Di Longmore from Constantia. I've only just turned on the radio and I've heard your honey sommelier on the line. Is this a question she would know the answer to? I haven't seen badger-friendly markings on honey for ages. Is this certification still valid or applicable? Thank you so much. Great show, as always, Pippa. Bye. Thanks, Di, and great question. You're right. I haven't noticed that in a long time. It was something I was very keenly aware of probably 10 years ago or more. Still a thing, Natasha? Correct, yes. Uh, thanks for the question, Di. I, I think um, as far as I know, Pippa, and I'm, I stand to be corrected, it's not actively um, happening any longer. Okay. Although there are some people, I think, that's still using um, you know that that logo um, in fact in certain areas we've actually seen an expansion of the of the badges and and they really do cause havoc <laughs> they um, yeah we, we don't need to explain to South Africans yeah yeah anyone who's and, seen a honey but, badger here at work yeah, so well, no. I, I, yeah. I, as far as I know not but what's quite interesting about them is there's there's a theory that after the honey obviously they do like lick lick the sweetness yes. um, but they're after the protein rich snack of the of the honey you know the, the little um, um, the little pollen y- n- the no? baby bees you oh, know the gosh. tiny little it's very rich in in protein so in certain times of the year when there is you know their food is in decrease or then competition perhaps uh, and uh, i am speculating um but yeah they they actually after the center and the, and the honey the bee queen lays her eggs from the middle going to the uh, you know like a rugby ball the shape yeah so they're trying to get to the nuclear to to the to the protein rich sort of snack and they'll lick That's up the honey as, so they really destroy the hives properly yes okay. <laughs> Before we run out of time, which is approaching rapidly, Natasha, you've come in with a little miniature piece of hive there. Tell me a little bit more about what you've brought into studio with you. Yes, so this is um, this honey is actually one of the eucalyptus trees, a, a saligna. Um, it was in the freezer. The harvest is from last year. I keep a few that I share at my, at yeah. my honey tastings. Um, but uh, so the the flavour profile of this is quite caramelly, butterscotch toffee. Mm. And um, what's interesting is the bees will only cap it when it's reached the r- the right level of mo- moisture. So, for instance, even if if you know sometimes honey is is extracted without it being properly ripened by the bees, yeah. so the water water moisture is very high. Um, yeah. So this is just a beautiful. Beautiful frame I brought along. It's a mini frame, and it's a, it's a gift to you guys. Can oh gosh, thank you so much. <laughs> okay, note to self: stop it for cheese on the way. <laughs> yeah, so um, but you see if you can pick up on on those um, aroma notes. Yeah, and I'll get our team to take a photograph favorite. of that that we'll tweet during the news break, so you can take a look at how. Di- I mean, it is beautiful and. You get such an appreciation for the complexity of what those bees build inside the hive when you look at it from this perspective, Natasha. You know, so many people are disconnected from the source. Honey is something that comes in a bottle or even a squeezy plastic bottle. To see it like that really takes you back to know how special a thing this is. My final question for you is actually what I should have started with. What what drew you to this in the first place? Where does your honey story start? So, I, you know... 
we we had a honey uh, swarm moving into our irrigation box as they do because yeah. they always look for shelter away from the elements any cavity that gives them protection and we had a beekeeper Andrew to relocate them and that evening I asked him just to break off a piece because I want to show it to the kids and um, I remember holding it up to the kitchen light and I was just blown away I mean we all we've all seen honeycomb right yeah. but first of all I didn't knew it was that white and light it was like this delicate structure mm. and you know they consumed about uh, eight kilos honey in energy to produce one kilo uh, bee- beeswax it's 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 Gosh. really energy intensive um, but yes I, I had to know Pippa how do they do this <laughs> how do they do this do they use their feet their mandibles I had to know it was just mind-blowing holding it and the other thing is such a light structure that holds yeah. such a heavy commodity Yes, and then I just started reading and became a bit obsessive. My family and friends will tell you I, I honestly drive them dilly. When we go away, I'm like, okay, I promise we won't do bees and honeys on this trip. And then Famous sure enough, words. you come across, yeah. And it takes it takes 12 bees, their, their lifespan, to produce one teaspoon honey. It really is sacred. And, and I'm passionate about that for people to understand this is medicine. Um, from nature really it is it is something that we need to give it's a slow food it's a whole food and we need to understand that and and give it its rightful place in our diet and yeah for the for the to support the beekeepers well i say bravo and thank heavens you did get as obsessed as you did so that we could have you with us today natasha lyon south africa's first and only so far honey sommelier and if you're fascinated by what you've heard already and you'd like to hear more she is going to be speaking as part of the cape honey festival happening at Spice Root Estate in Paul this coming Saturday between 10 and 5. If you're interested in joining in some of the activities, joining a paired uh, meal tasting that's got honey elements to it is one of the things, just send an email to info at wcba.co.za. Lovely to have you with us, Natasha. Thanks Thank you, for your Papa. time. It's my privilege. Thank you. Thank you.